Hi everyone, welcome to episode 32 of an Inside View podcast with On The Ball Team Building. If this is your first time listening to Inside View podcast, we really appreciate it. If you could go back to episode 1 and have a listen, please do rate, review, tell your friends, family, whoever may know about the podcast. We really, really appreciate it. That one recommendation, that one you know, extra download, it be... Um, it go a huge amount for us, and that we'd be extremely appreciated of it. Um, at the time of recording, it is in the middle of Christmas at the moment. But by the time this will be up, um, it'll probably be the start of twenty twenty one, New Year's Day. So I hope you had a good Christmas, and I hope you had a good New Year. Um, albeit it's quite different to to before. But look, I I wish you all the very best in 2021 as well before i before i forget it but look we'll uh we'll continue on anyway um we'd like to give a big shout out to our sponsors grg sports who have been a massive help over the last couple of months and um, thanks very much again guys for the continued support and i am delighted to inform listeners that we have a new um a new sponsor on board uh Vintry harbor asset management they're a connecticut based asset management company um, we're extremely grateful and extremely appreciative that uh, such a prestigious um, company, uh, asset manager, who generate great results for their um, investors, um, to have you know to put faith in us and to come on board. And look, we're, we're extremely grateful again, guys, and thanks very much. It's now time to bring on this week's guest, and I'm delighted to be joined by Balbriggan man Ronan Michael, who has become the first Irish-born player to play in the Super League in 11 years. Michael became the second Irish-born person to play in the Super League and the first to come through an academy system. It is a remarkable journey for the Dublin man. Having lost out in a spot in the Leinster Northeast Development Panel at the age of 16, he is forced to take a year out uh, of rugby and he stumbled across rugby league and looked, as they say, the rest is history. And I'm absolutely extremely ex- excited to bring him on and um, get an insight into his story. Hi, Ron. Welcome to the Inside View podcast. How are you keeping? How's it going? Cheers for having me. I'm all good. Good, good. How's the, you know, how's the last couple of days been for you um, over Christmas? Have been nice and relaxing, I, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it's been it's been good to get back and just get around with the family. You know, it's been a bit different this year, obviously with all this coronavirus and stuff. But it's been it's been good to just spend a bit of time with my family and just enjoy the holidays and just kind of take a couple couple of days break from all the training and and stuff and just enjoy a bit of time with the family and have a few drinks. You know, so it's it's always nice time Christmas with me. Get to come home and see my family and friends. So yeah, it was good good to be back. Good, good. And have you um have you been kind of tipping away with training over the last couple of days or did you just um stop completely? Um I had a I had Christmas Eve and Christmas Day off training and then Stephen's Day I was just back out again, back out running and then just been back in the gym today and yesterday and just back into it now again, you know. So it's yeah, you get a couple of days I think I always give myself a couple of days around Christmas time break just to kind of give your mind a bit of a break as well as your body and then good to get back into it after all the eating and few beers over the over the Christmas day and that's nice to get a good blowout on uh Stevens Day. We get sent a little bit of a session to do and we all just do a little recording of it and send it on to the coaches, you know, gets the team together as well, just make sure holding everyone accountable for what we're doing. So yeah, that's been that's been the extent of the last couple of days. Just trained up till about Christmas Eve and then had about two days two days off. Like obviously you have your, your rest days and that but yeah I will just keep myself ticking over really making sure I'm 
ready to go when preseason starts. Very good, very good. And when did you, uh, when did when did things stop over in Huddersfield and you come back to Ireland for Christmas? Was it two or three weeks ago? Or are you only back for a couple of days? Um, I've got a bit of a longer off season this year. Usually, I only usually I only arrive back about three days before Christmas, but because of the virus and the season running longer than it usually has, I actually got to come back for. Uh, I think it's a five or six week break. I got back at the end of November, so it's been about. I've been here about four and a half, five weeks now, and I'm off back on Friday. So, uh, yeah, it's been probably the longest time I've been at home since since I firstly moved to Huddersfield. Jeez, and how how do you find that? I suppose it's it's good to get back as well, isn't it? Yeah, oh, no, absolutely. It's good to spend time with the family. Obviously, it's a bit different when you're used to living at home, and then you come back and you have people telling you what to do and all all that sort. But no, it's it, it's always good to spend a bit of time with the family, and that's that's one of the most important things for me and my family. And that's so getting to see me, mum, and that's always class. Like, and she always cooks me a good feed. Jesus, don't stop eating when she's cooking. <laughs> but that's 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 what mummies do, isn't it? You know, it is. Uh, no, definitely. Yeah, uh, you have to make the most of it. I suppose when uh, you know when you're when you're around. Um, just I suppose, can you give us a bit of an idea what the training has been like over the last couple of days? Um, you said that you were doing a bit of running. Like, would you do? Is it two or three k or is it five k? What's the What's the kind of training like for the for rugby league? Well, I suppose uh, we do a lot of training that replicates how we move on the pitch. So rather than like doing just let's say a straight five k, it's probably not realistic for someone of my position of my of my size and weight. It's probably not even that beneficial for the joints and that me doing a road run five k. So we'll do a lot of bursts. So we'll do like maybe 60, 60 seconds work at a fast intensity pace, and then maybe 50 seconds or 30 seconds off, let's say, and we'll do sets and reps of that. A lot of, a lot of burst stuff, you know, so it's a big, it's a big effort. So let's say a carry, a tackle, and then, then replicating, or we do like run, like sprint, jog, walk, sprint, jog, walk, and those kind of things. So it's replicating how we're moving in a game, a lot of change of direction. Cause you're, when you're defending the rugby league, you're going up 10 meters, going back, going up, going back. So we'll do a lot of that type of stuff. So you're always changing direction and constantly moving, but it's all that, and intensity because there's only five tackles in rugby league, so one, two, three, four, five kick. So we'll kind of do something like that. So you might do like 20 meters, 40 meters, 60 meters, or you might do four tens into 20 into 30, those kind of things. So it's kind of like replicating a defensive set, and then we'll, we'll do some burst stuff. Do you know what I mean? So, like, well, a lot of our stuff is kind of game based kind of stuff rather than just a straight, straight running a straight running pattern like let's say go run 8k on a road you know that's probably not going to be beneficial because every player is different as well but probably not going to be so beneficial for players that are carrying a lot of weight and trying to build up a bit of mass because you're just doing a road run it's very heavy on the joints and you're probably not running at a game intensity either you're probably just going on a steady jog you know yeah no that's that's definitely interesting um it's going to so it's tailored tailored to the position really i suppose isn't it yeah 100 percent um, would you be into kind of probably a, a side question of sort of curiosity? Would you be into like visualization and using affirmations to, you know, to improve your your mindset? Oh, definitely. Yeah, no, definitely. I definitely believe in a lot of that kind of stuff, especially the the mindset side of the game. Like I believe in, I try to take control of as much things and take responsibility for as much things as I can, because I I think once you start putting blame out on the other and blaming other things you're losing control of situation. So I, I'm really into the mental side of the game and the mental side of sport, trying to be the best player that I can be and make sure my my mind's ready when my body's ready, you know, because 
I think we have written somewhere, it's somewhere about kicking about where we try, and I couldn't tell you exactly where, but it's the body achieves what the mind believes. And that one always resonated with me because it's, it's your mind that'll let you down before your body will at the end of the day. More often than not, it's your mind that'll talk you out of doing something. So, yeah, no, I definitely believe in a, a lot a lot of visualisation, a lot of just looking into the mindset of sport, really, because I, I feel like there's been, there's been, I've gone through difficult times in, in the past and stuff like that. And just bit, often you want to blame it on someone else, you know, but if you can take responsibility for that kind of stuff, it takes, make, makes you actually feel like you can make a change. If you take on responsibility for what happens in your life, you feel like you have the power to change what happens. Whereas if you're always putting out like negativity and blame and those anger, negativity, blame, you lose control of what you can actually do to change it. Like I, I can't, I can't, change let's say my height or the size of my feet or the size of my hands but I can change how well I can pass a rugby ball so if I just focus on the stuff that I can do to make myself a better player rather than the, the things that I can't do I feel like I'll always be improving and always trying to make myself 1% better All about control and controllables isn't it? That's it, that's the one isn't it? Um it's actually interesting. I when, when I was looking into, um, you know, into your your history or whatever your you know your background. You actually came from. You were born in Canada and you moved to Ireland when you were seven. And would I be right in saying that sport wasn't really a big thing for you before that? No, no, not not at all. I I didn't care for it really. And I, and my mom sent me to every sport under the sun, whether it was soccer, soccer, ice hockey, skiing, whatever it was. I've done them all. And I just didn't care for any of them, really. You know, it's one of those ones that I'm getting sent to all these all these training sessions and all. And, like, my mom just wants to see if any if I like any of them. I'm just kind of like, ah, whatever. Do you know what I mean? Like, I wasn't really into it. And most kids my age were mad about soccer or ice hockey because they, they, they were kind of big over in Canada. And as for me, I just didn't care for any of that stuff. And when did kind of sport really start hitting the card for you? Was it when you moved back to Ireland? Yeah, so when I moved to Ireland, um, I, my third class teacher, he used to take us out for like PE or whatever, and he used to just kick the rugby ball because he was he was a huge rugby fan, so like he's pretty much responsible for everything that happened after because he used to take us out and kick the rugby ball around, and like I remember, like well, I don't personally remember. I've been told he just said to my mom, "Here, listen, like Roland's into this rugby stuff," and like I was just a kid, like I was just I didn't care for sport, I didn't really care. I just seen that this this ball bounces a bit mad, you know what I mean? I'm just thinking, yeah, this is pretty pretty all right. So my mom started taking me to rugby training and uh, I, I I liked it. Like, I, I went. I didn't not enjoy it because I kept going, but I wasn't, I didn't care about scoring tries or anything. Like, my uncle would always be be telling me and be taking me on, uh, you know, paint on the computer and saying, here, if you stand out on the wing, you get past the ball, you score a few tries. I didn't care for it. Like, I'd just stay in the middle and make tackles. I like when we had the ball, I'd be picking the grass and looking at my shoelaces and all. But then when they had the ball, I just cared about making tackles. That's all. I, that's all I liked. I liked the physicality of it. And from there, really, my love for sport just snowballed because uh, at the time, the rugby coach for whatever age, let's say under eight, under nine, he also happened to be the Gaelic football coach for my uh, local club out of Wires. And he was like, Ronan's like like in the rugby. Does he want to play Gaelic football? And my like. My mom wouldn't know much about Gaelic football. She wouldn't really, like, she probably played, like, ladies' Gaelic football when she was in school or whatever, but she wouldn't know much. She was like, yeah, go on, like, whatever. Let, let him play. He'll play it if he wants to. And just, no, like, there was no force or anything. She was just like, he'll do what he wants to do. And started, like, in Gaelic football. And then after that, this is just, the, oh, the Warriors, the guard club were like, yeah, he's good at Gaelic because he want to play Hurling. 
at, of course, I play hurling, and then the next thing you know, same same rugby coach, son, son played cricket in Barbary, and it's because he want to play cricket. All right, I'll play cricket, you know, and then that's when the love for sport just started. Just started loving sport completely. But it wasn't anyone in particular. Like I loved playing cricket. I loved playing Gaelic football. I loved playing hurling. I loved playing rugby. I tried to play soccer. I was brutal at soccer, but I liked going because my mates went to soccer. Like I didn't really understand that one, so I was I was good at it, you know what I mean? But I still went because I did karate. I did that's when it all started, really. It was just once once I got into one, I was into them all, and then it was it kind of got channeled as I got older, do you know? And looking back now, I know you're you're playing rugby, you know, rugby league and coming from rugby union, but we, we will get into that. Um, looking back now, do you think it was beneficial that you played as much as, as you could as a young fella, you know, playing from cricket to, to soccer to football? You're, you're using different motions for all those kind of sports. Oh, 100% well, I doubt. Like, honestly, I... I couldn't advocate more doing more than one sport for kids. Like it's you're creating new pathways in the brains, new motor skills, just learning how to move properly. Cause it's unnatural for kids to be sat in front of televisions all day. You know, and kids are meant to be climbing trees and walking and running and throwing and catching and all, doing all these things that teaches us good patterns for our bodies how to move. Really, if if you take away the sport element completely, it's just how to move correctly as human beings, you know? And the more different sports you do, the more pathways in your brain you develop and you just kind of pick up skills that correlate in some way. Like, like I never thought me playing Gaelic football was going to help me as a rugby player, but, like, maybe I, I can jump higher than most now because of that, you know what I mean? Or I have maybe a, a weird technique of kicking that I learned from Gaelic football or I can catch the ball over my head, let's say. that, that That's necessarily a skill you see often in let's say rugby union or league but you see it in particular with Irish rugby union when the backs are catching the ball over their head and the commentators say that's Gaelic football he used to play for whoever or ever that's exactly where they get it from and there's no doubt about it because you don't see it as much in any other country the the, the backs catching the ball over their head doing a completely Gaelic football like that is a Gaelic football code jump one leg up arms in the, over there you know and these things correlate across different sports, you know, and I, I just think it's, I think it's hugely important for kids to get into many different sports. And also, the, just the team building and the interpersonal skills you learn from doing these kind of things as a young kid, it's like, it's, it's so important because you learn how to play, play on different teams and like different numbers and just completely different codes of things. Like, you know, cricket's like when you're a bowler or a batter, it's more you have to focus on yourself and your job to help a group of them when you're on a pitch of 15 or 13 or whatever, you're kind of helping everyone at the same time. Do you know what I mean? But you learn all different skills and meet different people as well. And like the people I've met through all the different sports I've still made with today. So yeah, I'm very grateful for the fact that I got to play so many sports. And obviously the more sports you play when you're in secondary school, the more time you get off school. So that was always a, a plus. And cricket <laughs> cricket was the best sport because you get the whole day off because they're long out games and you're stopping for tea and biscuits. So there, that, there's always pluses to those kind of things, you know, as well. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. Um, so when did when when did you start kind of um delving down into rugby? Um, you know, when did you kind of start forgetting about the other sports, or when did rugby kind of start taking over in your life? Um, I'd say probably in in secondary school. That's kind of when I started going down the path towards knowing I wanted rugby to be my future. It was just kind of I remember when I was in first year in uh in secondary school and we were allowed to play with the third and fourth years 
and we were only first years, me and one of my mates, we were like only first years, we were allowed to play with the big lads at the time because they were the oldest blokes in our school and we were allowed to play with them and I, that was kind of like when I started, I suppose, going towards rugby, like rugby became my main passion and from from there really, I suppose, when you get good at something, you start liking it more, you know, and because I was liking it more, I was getting better and it just kind of went in that circle. I like it more, so I get better. And because I got better, I liked it more. So it was one of those ones that I just kind of got more and more involved. And then it went from being like, yeah, I like Ruby to I was obsessed as of maybe a 14-year-old. I was watching David Pocock documentaries, All Blacks documentaries, copying what they were doing. I'd be in my room like doing push-ups and sit-ups and what they're like, going on, going on beach runs and all sorts of stuff. Like that's when I just got mad about it. And then coming up to like I think it's under 15s or 16s, Northeast trials. That was when I was like, that's when I was like, this is the dream. Like, this is what I want to do with the rest of my life. Do you know what I mean? That was when, so that was probably when I was maybe in third year, like junior third year. That was what I was obsessed with. That was when I was like, yeah, this is absolutely what I want to do. You said Northeast trials. Is that like Northeast of Linster or what was the? Yeah, yeah. So that's the Northeast of Leinster. Yeah. So it's, it's only an area. It's not like even the full Leinster team, but that's like, that's kind of, that's kind of where I started to. Uh, that kind of sparked. I I blame that for most of my journey. To be honest, that that was my first time ever taking a, I suppose, a loss, and that kind of shaped me as a person because I didn't make the cut for the final team on the northeast, and that kind of shaped my journey completely and how and the direction and how I ended up where I am today. And do you want to tell us how um how that shaped your journey? Uh, you were kind of forced to. Take a year out, weren't you? Do you want to delve into that? Yeah, yeah. So I suppose um I did the northeast trials and I didn't make the final cut. So it was playing in the back of my mind. Like obviously I want to I want to play pro rugby. I want to be in the best environment possible to play professionally. And at the time I didn't feel we were losing like all our games at club level with Balbriggan. Like we weren't we we weren't a good team. We were a bunch of good blokes who all in the future went on to. The blokes who stuck with rugby went on to be good rugby players, but not a lot of them had the same passion as me, as me at the time. So I wanted to move, and a couple of other lads were in the same boat, and we all wanted to move. So we decided that we we're going to put put a transfer into the Leinster branch to move from Balbriggan. I wanted to move to Clontarf because Clontarf won everything at that age. They they like they went unbeaten once. They were the best team at that age, and I thought, yeah, I can I can get myself a spot in this team, and if I get myself a spot in the best team then I'm playing with the best people. You know, you surround yourself with the best, you're going to be the best, you know? So, like, iron sharpens iron. So, that was the, that was the idea anyways. But as the story tells, you get the transfer because apparently there's clauses for transfer or whatever. You have to move school, move house, or you have to take a year out. wasn't moving house and I wasn't moving school. So, that leads us to option three, take a year out of rugby. So, Obviously, I felt like my world is crumbling, you know, standing in the world. Like, as, as you would as maybe a 16-year-old who has to take a year out of what they want to do as a career. Thought it was the end of the world. And then, um, luckily enough, I, I, I still say to this day that Older Warriors were the best club I've ever been a part of for the fact that they, throughout my whole rugby career, they were so, so just accepting of the fact that we are rugby players first and Gaelic football players second. And whenever, whenever we were around, I'd put the, I'd play Gaelic football for them like anything I'd do anything for them but that year they were willing like after all the times the amount of games where we'd be playing rugby on the weekend and 
we wouldn't be there. And they were still willing to say, yeah, here, come play the season with us. So I went back playing games of football, ended up winning the league, runners up in the championship, played, won the league at minor and 16s that year because I was playing the year up, playing minor. And then uh, runners up in the minor championship. And then we like that, that kept us ticking over. And I just going to the gym. That's when I was just obsessed with the gym, smashing the gym up. But it wasn't enough. Do you know what I mean? It, it, wasn't, it wasn't rugby. So then... Uh, our parents got together like all the lads who put in for a transfer and we stumbled across Rugby League and in about October 2016 we go to the Ireland versus Russia Rugby League match in Bray and uh, that was for the World Cup qualifier like little, little did I know I'd be playing two years later in World Cup qualifiers but anyway so I'm there at the World Cup qualifier Ireland versus Russia and they say like come along now and we have some we have a session for the Ireland under 17s in February or March or whatever this comes brings us to 2017 and uh here we are, a bunch of lads from Babbering and about four or five of us, I think there was, and we rock up to the session and we all we're all like, Oh, this is pretty cool, rugby league. Like we'd only seen like NRL. we at this stage I didn't even know what the Super League was. I'd only just heard of NRL and seen NRL on the TV, like hadn't a clue about the Super League. And we rock up and like, like oh, so what's the name of the club we're playing for? They say, Nah, nah, you're playing for Ireland. And we're like, ah, well, my head's like, what's going on here? We can't be playing for Ireland. Like, we can't be playing international. We don't even know what this sport is. Like, I don't even know how to play this sport. You're telling me we're playing for Ireland. So then, uh, yeah, played played a couple of games that summer and that kind of sparked the, sparked the rugby league love. But so that same summer, summer 2017, my transfer to Clontarf went through. So I, I played the games in the summer with uh, with Rugby League Ireland. We played for the under 17s. We played against Wales twice and we got to play. I think I played five games that summer in total and didn't think of much of it. Didn't even think anyone was really watching the games. And then went back, went back, back into 2017 into me leaving for a year and just playing with Clontarf then, playing back, playing in the union. My transfer went through. I'm like, I was killing it, loving, loving it with Clontarf, killing it. Didn't even think much. I was looking forward to the next season of the league coming up to the European Championships with the under 19s. But I wouldn't even think much about it. Like, I was just, yeah, that was, that was brilliant. And then, Next thing you know, I'm getting told uh, about two weeks before my mocks sat after my mocks, I'm going to head over to Huddersfield. And that kind of bloomed the next flower, I suppose, you know? Yeah, no, definitely. And what I found um, very, very interesting before we, we, we get into, we say, 2018, um, was the fact that, like, you know, you, you never played rugby league before and your the first training session was the national, the national team. Like, it was... Uh, it's quite. It's it's a great story to have, isn't it? I never played yeah, club no, rugby. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it was one of those ones that like, we're we're just a bunch of blokes from Balbriggan, you know. We're just used to losing every game. Like we like, we're we're essentially losers, you know. We're, we we have the passion for rugby, but we've not we've not won a game. Like, and we get told that we're gonna put on the Ireland colours and play for Ireland, and all of us we're just losing. It. Like we're like. Our heads are out to here. We're thinking, what's going on here? Do you know what I mean? Like, we're going to get this put, put international, under-17s international. Like, we're going to get to say that. And, like, that that to us that to us was just something special after the year we had not being able to get through to a transfer. And, like, basically not... Get, that's the thing about Rugby League. It gave us an arm out when nothing else would. Like, there was no, nothing else for us, you know? And that's kind of one of the things I appreciate most about Rugby League. And I think that Rugby League in Ireland has like needs needs huge huge commemorations for what they do in terms of the fact that they take blokes in from all walks of life whether you've never played sport in your life whether you're a Gaelic footballer you're a hurler you're a rugby union player I don't care if you played for Leinster or if you play for 
if you've never if you play two games of rugby union, it doesn't matter. It's just they give you a chance and they say, if you if you work for us, like if you're if you're gonna try hard, we're gonna try to back you, we're gonna give you a chance of maybe playing whether it's an under 19s international, under 17s, or even just a few games with the Longhorns or whatever, and we'll see if we, we can get in an all Ireland medal. Do you know what I mean? So that was one of the that was one of the greatest things. I appreciate the fact that like it was an opportunity out of nothing in a sport that I didn't know was played in this country. I didn't even know it was played on this side of the world, to be perfectly honest. At the time, I didn't know rugby league was played on this side of the world. I only knew about the NRL and barely knew about the NRL at that. Do you know what I mean? And just to create the picture, do you know when you went to that um, that under seventeen trials, which obviously you, you you didn't know as the national for the national team. What did the coaches say to you when when you were saying we we, we don't have a a, rob, a rugby league club like? Oh, that, that that was that was the thing. Like it was just like I suppose it was just like who who are these people? Do you know, it, to them they're just seeing like a load of lads from Balbriggan that that probably think they're the big shots. You know, in 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 a sense, like we're all rocking up thinking that that's what they're seeing. A bunch of lads come because most of the time they've had in the past one or two blokes from the same area, not five blokes. But they didn't know our story and we didn't know the story of theirs. But I just remember all we did the first session was co-hanger. And play the ball, just just learning how to put it on the floor and roll it back with your foot into a co hanger. Do that again into a co hanger into a house of turn. Because believe it or not, you have to build it from the ground up. Like you, you might see all the players running back ten meters, but you have to actually figure out how to turn the right way so you're actually able to see. Like we we got there and they're like, yeah, you have to run back ten meters after every time, and we're turning ourselves in circles, falling over our own ankles, like. You know, so this is all we did the first session. And I remember after the first session, I was like, yeah, what's the story? Like, what's going on here? Like, and then obviously we picked it up. We picked it up fairly quickly, like, because it was sink or swim, really. Like, a few of the blokes there had already played with the 16s the year before. So it was like, we're just a bunch of new heads. And they're thinking, who are these lads? Like, who do these think they are all rocking up together? And it was just one of those ones that, like, we didn't. Back then, which was three years ago, there wasn't an underage setup, really amongst the amateur clubs. Three years on, looking at it now, there's underage games being played amongst the amateur clubs in Ireland, which is like, which might seem like a small feat, but to come from, like me looking at back then, the system and the structures to how we have the system and structures now, it's just the, the transformation has been incredible amongst, and that, that just goes down to the board and the work of people like, the likes of Casey Dunn and all the people on the board working like non-stop 24-7 to try to develop the game in Ireland and make sure that there is pathways for young people. Because, like, my pathway was a fluke in a way, but they're trying to make it not be a fluke anymore. They're trying to actually make sure that we're promoting young people and there's, you do, you play 16s, you play 19s, you play students, and then, who knows, you might get, play domestics for the clubs, like the Ireland club side, and then maybe you might get a look out for the seniors. And that's, that's the pathway they're trying to promote now. Brilliant. It's, it's great to see how, you know, how it's developed over the, the last three years. Um, just out of curiosity, what are the obviously there's a lot of a lot of differences, a lot of similarities as well. But what would be the main differences between um rugby union and, and rugby league? I'd say the main things that people know straight away is uh it's 13 aside rather than 15. There's only five tackles, so and after every tackle you have to retreat 10 meters. So it's one, two, three, four, fifth and last, and you usually kick the ball then or you try score a try. And then the other main difference is there's no scrums and lineouts or rooks. So it kind of takes away that 
slow bit about Union when they're packing in a scrum or loading the line out or the rooks getting sloppy and slowing it down. It's just you play, put the ball on the floor and roll it back with your foot. For Instead of a line out, you just tap it with your foot and throw it in. And instead of, well, there are scrums, but they're not really competitive. You just lean in, the ball rolls in and go straight back out again. So they're kind of the main difference between Union and League. At first, you probably think it looks like tag rugby when you start watching it, but then once you actually realise the rules of it, it's just like a, it's like a quicker version of Union in a way. It just takes out the the, the slowness of it, I suppose. Is there line-outs, did you say? Uh, no, no line-outs. No line just, you just throw the ball in and tap it with your foot, and then you go. Uh, perfect. It's like a tap, pretty much. Perfect, perfect. And did you say at the start, like, obviously you you know, you know got to the game, you know, you, you picked it up very quickly, but did you find it extremely hard to get your head around? Because for... Geez, for 16 years of your life, you were, you know, you were playing uh, rugby union, and sometimes your mind can kind of become closed to that sport, you know, and you're like you're taught how to run and you run with the ball, but now you have rugby league coming in, and you're like, whoa, what's, what's yeah, going on? oh, definitely, definitely, like I, I know for sure, like it, it, it's, I'd say it's an easy transition, but the habits are the hard ones to get rid of. So because you know you're playing a different sport and you're training for a different sport. You're consciously thinking about about what's going on, but then in a game, in game, you resort back to habits under fatigue. And I didn't find, not even really my first year playing, that those habits didn't creep out so much. They weren't standout habits. It was when I got to Huddersfield and actually started playing with uh, when I was on trial with their academy that my union habits started creeping back out because I was under fatigue. So like in league, you run a lot more upright. In union, you kind of put your head down, you know, as you can imagine, because you don't want to get held up. So I got, as I got tired on like probably my second game for Huddersfield Academy, I started running with my head down, and all the lads are like, "What is he doing? Like, what way is he running? Like, this is what? What has he got a clue? Do you know what I mean?" So that that's when that's when I started to notice my union habits come out more. Like it was when I was put under the pump, and then obviously you have to those things have to be kind of bled out here, and you kind of kind of go back to like you learn league how to run properly and that. But I suppose initially, like, you're consciously thinking about you're playing a different sport, but it takes a while for the subconscious to adapt that you're playing a different sport. You, and you def, just to add on to that, I suppose, you definitely need to have um, an open mind rather than a fixed mind. You know, some people can be very fixed on learning new things. I wouldn't be open to it, but obviously you, you were open to, to learning it and subconsciously didn't that, you know, that came to the fore eventually. Oh, 100%, yeah. And, like, listen, it's not, it's not for everyone. Like, that's one thing. Like, like rugby league will take any, everyone on, but it just isn't for everyone. Do you know? And that's one of the things about all sports. Not all sports are for everyone, and not everyone can get their head around it and or enjoy it. So, like, it's not like just because you play union, you can play league and want to play league. No, it's not for everyone either. But you have, like, I went in with the mindset, like, this is a great opportunity for me. Let, let me try and make this work. And therefore... It worked back with me, so it's it all that it all depends on being open minded and saying, right, I'm trying, I'm coming into a completely different sport that I don't know about. I need to sponge everything, and that's basically been the last three years of my life, sponging up information, trying to make up lost time, because I'm trying to cover what blokes have been playing since they were five, maybe. I'm trying to cover up lost time. Let's say they're twenty now. I'm twenty now. I'm trying to cover up their fifteen years and my three years. I'm trying to catch up to them. And get like they have hundreds of minutes. It's like you know the ten thousand ten thousand hour rule or whatever. 
like I have hours and hours of playing the sport that I'm trying to make up lost time for. So I just had to go when I was going into the initial Ireland training sessions when we were with the 17 or when I was at Huddersfield or when I was at Canberra, I just need to sponge up everything and just try my best to learn as much and be open to as much as possible. Because at the end of the day, it's like learning a new language nearly. Do you know what I mean? When you get into the professional side of it. I'm on the surface learning. Like if I if I need to teach a union player today, right, and get him ready in an hour to go out and play league, yeah, I can teach him the basics. But then the more you delve in, the more complex things get, you know. And as you go up the levels, the more you have to appreciate the differences between sports. I suppose this time, this time two, two, three years ago, um, coming up to the end of 2017, you never really expected that 2018 would be such a remarkable year for you. You did your leaving cert, but there's a lot more going on in the background. Do you want to give us a, an insight? I suppose you started off with the trials and then you went over again in, in July. Yeah, yeah. So um, me and three other lads went over just after the mocks. I think we finished the mocks on Friday and flew out Friday night or Saturday. And we went to Huddersfield for a week. We got to train with the academy and the first team. It was kind of just like an opportunity to see what a Super League setup was like. We trained with the academy, got around the first team, got to train with an amateur side uh, over in over in England as well, and just got to see what the difference across the pond was really between the sports to try to bring something back to the under-17s Ireland set up really and just tell them what we learned and that. And uh, I went and did that in February. I didn't think much of it. Kept, got my head down for the leaving cert while just playing with Clontarf and going to the gym and that. And then about two weeks before I sat my leaving cert, I got told that afterwards Huddersfield wanted to bring me back over on a three-month trial. And uh, honestly, I was ecstatic. Like, I could not believe this was happening to me. I was like, this is happening to me. Like, like me, a bloke who a year ago had no rugby and two years ago didn't make the the um, uh, northeast Leinster team, you know, so I couldn't believe this happened to me. So uh, about two days after I sat my last leaving cert exam, I flew out to Huddersfield and start, started my trial pretty much. I pretty much was off the plane and nearly straight out training. Started my trial on me, made sort of celebrating leaving night and going on their six year holidays. And I was just trying to trying to get myself an academy contract because that was, I suppose, the dream. And I went over there and I was raw. I was very raw, like there's no beating around the bush. Like I didn't know much about what was going on and the training was tough, but I, I had the will to learn and I would, wasn't in bad shape. Do you know what I mean? I wasn't in, took me a while to get off the pace, but I wasn't in bad shape. Like I was physically, physically able enough to kind of keep up. So uh, that I was lucky to have that on my side. And then I finished up the summer and I played, I played four games against the bottom, the bottom three teams of the, uh, Four games across against the bottom three teams of the league while I was on my trial, and we had an injury crisis come the semi final, so the academy semi final of the league, and I got thrown into the semi final for my fifth game, and that was the end of my trial. We lost, unfortunately, we got battered by Wigan, who went on to win it. But that was my last game, and then after that, I was just waiting to hear if I got a third year contract, did enough to get third year, and basically Andy Kelly pulled me in and said, "You have a lot to learn, but we'll give you we'll give you a chance at third year." And I couldn't believe it. I was, I was signing a contract like that, to, like that. I don't, no one, had, no one from Ireland has ever been with a Super League academy, in ever. Like Brian Kearney was the last person to play in the Super League from Ireland, and then me. But no one has gone through an academy system. So for me to get a third year, final year of under 19s, have a whole year to try to prove myself, I could not believe it. Like it was just unbelievable. And then 
I, so I, I signed the contract and I flew back to flew back to Ireland for the off season and I was, I was buzzing like I couldn't I was absolutely buzzing and then I got told that I got named in the train on squad for the World Cup qualifiers in 2018 so this is the back end of the year and I was like oh I'm in the train on squad like I'm going to be training with the senior Ireland team like I, I've, I've only played I've only played 10 games of rugby league at this stage maybe 13 I played like three for the Longhorns just before leaving. So, and I'm in the train on squad with the Ireland team. I was like, my mind's blown again. Like, I'm like, here, what is going on? And then I get told while I'm, I'm that I'm going to play, I'm going to make my senior Ireland debut against Scotland. And I was like, here, how, like, uh, how, what is going on here? Like, and there was three of us, there was me and, and two of the lads who played for Wigan in that same semi-final. All of us were making our debuts at that stage. So we had quite a young team. Like, I'm, that young team is still building now because a lot of us, played in the 2019 qualifiers as well but got to make my debut against Scotland and we won and that feeling was just that was second to none and I went on to play against Wales and France and unfortunately we lost to Wales and France and the experience was class to be honest but unfortunately we didn't qualify that year so therefore we had to qualify there in 2019 but like just just me a bloke like literally didn't know the year before what rugby league was in Ireland, didn't know I was played to get to make my senior international debut and play alongside like some of the most capped ever Ireland players. These blokes have played in World Cups, played in Super League Grand Finals, and I'm there, a kid from Balbriggan, playing alongside these blokes. Like it was just, it was just next level. Like, and then so, suppose from there, I just went into went into training with Huddersfield, got back over, got myself back over there, and all the third years trained with the first team for preseason. So I get chucked in. Barely knowing any of the first team players, I've only trained with them like a handful of times, and get chucked into their first team preseason. Like I'd not even done an academy preseason before, so that was probably one of the most grim, dark things I've ever done in my life. But I got through it, and Jay's when I dropped back to academy then for the season, it it meant so much to me, and it showed that I just done a first team preseason because I got to show like what I learned from the first team preseason, and just being in full time professional environment, even though I was only academy player, I'm. Accelerated my growth and my my performance and knowledge of the game because I was in every day rather than being in like in the afternoons with the academy. I was actually getting in every day with the first team and learning a lot. So that was huge for my year as a third year academy player. And luckily enough, I only missed one game due to concussion, and I played every other game for the academy that whole season and did enough to earn my first team contract. I didn't think I like I didn't think again. Same same story as the year before, just waiting, trying to battle my way to try and get a first-team contract. And luckily enough, got one again. And, geez, when I couldn't believe I was signing the first-team contract, like a professional rugby contract. Like that, that had been the goal since I was in third year. Doing me junior, sir, a professional contract. Like I, that, was what, that was what I set off the Huddersfield to do, get an academy contract. And then the goal changes, the post changes, get a first-team contract. Do you know, so it's, it was one of those ones that you have one goal, and then you get you you take it and you can't just be happy with that. You want to move on to the next. So signing that first team contract, I was like, oh, like I couldn't believe. To me, it was just next level, like actually signing it. And then I suppose that leads me on to this year and uh, what came up after that. You know, definitely. Yeah, no, we'll <clears throat> we'll definitely we'll delve into that now in a, in a few minutes. But um, just like looking back, we say over the last eighteen months, um. It has been quite, quite surreal. I suppose we, when you bring it back to February, you know, when yourself and a few of the guys went over in February 18, um, 
he spent a week training over there. It must have been a massive shock to your system. You're like, what is going on here? Do you know, you probably never experienced that level of professionalism, albeit some of the teams might have been amateur, but it's still a higher standard. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like, I remember when we went over there, like, in February, like, I was literally going to bed at 7 o'clock in the day and, like, getting up the next day or whatever time to go to train. And again, like, I was... I was sleeping 12 hours. I was absolutely shattered. I couldn't even keep my eyes open. I couldn't believe how much these lads trained. I was like, because this is coming from amateur, like we're complete amateur players, you know? Like at that age, let's say I was 17 at the time. At that age, you probably, like I was probably going to the gym four times a week, playing a match on maybe a Sunday, and then like maybe going to training on a Tuesday night or Thursday night. So if I was going to the gym, I probably wouldn't be going to training that day. It was probably one or the other, do you know what I mean? It wasn't, both but in the professional environment you're doing gym and you're going to the field and then maybe you're doing wrestling sessions or you're doing video and you're awake for the whole day focusing whereas like i'd just be used to going to school going to the gym or going to clintard for training so it's completely different like you go you get and we got thrown in the deep because we've got to do it with the first team and the academy for the experience because you have a week you have to make the most of it but yeah my god i remember being over there and i was just like just trying I was like, oh my god, this is this is mad. Like I'm you're running on fumes really because you're absolutely wrecked because you can't believe how much these lads train. You're like, how do these do this every day? Like it's like something completely different. It's not like we came from like an anyway professional environment. Like we're all amateur players. And I remember just thinking, like, geez, what 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 am I getting into here? Do you know? And you you just touched on something there. You said uh you know you'd be wrestling training. Is that something that is done in the rugby league that you kind of get used to, I suppose, being in close contact with, with the opposition. Yeah, yeah. I suppose, like, our wrestle sessions are equivalent to, let's say, scrum and line-out and rook sessions for rugby union players. It's sport, like, really specific to our sport because we tackle more upright and higher because you have to lock the ball up to stop the offload and you, you want to try to put the player on their back. We do a lot of wrestling. It's a lot of jujitsu style moves. And that's why jujitsu and rugby league, like they're they're like that, you know. So a, a lot of the time we'll do jujitsu saw wrestling sessions, just work on our contact and our wrestle and our take down the ground, you know. Because if you if you go like let's say a picture by picture of a rugby league tackle compared to a union, they're completely different. The the a tackle's a tackle in a way, and like the union tackle is relevant in league, and likewise the rugby league tackle is more like a hold, hold up in union, like trying to stop the player getting the ground, but that's mainly where our wrestle sessions come in as well as like another conditioning session, depending on where we're at in the season. It could be more, you're doing a lot of platting and up down kind of stuff, belly up and burpees and that kind of stuff into a bit of wrestling and contact, or we're working on our contact and working on how we maneuver a player to the floor. So that's, that's really relevant in rugby league. And we'll do like a lot of wrestling in preseason to get us contact ready and do a lot of contact prep, a lot of body weight kind of movements, getting our shoulder joints just ready for the season. Cause you'll make, the tackle, like the, the tackle count in rugby league to union is incredible. It's a lot of pressure on the shoulders and the joints and stuff like that. So I suppose we have to make sure our, our bodies are ready for those tackles for the whole season. That's very interesting, actually. Um, no, that's, that's actually really, really interesting. I suppose, it, like, I, I'm still trying to delve into, like, you know, when you started this, uh, you know, your first tackling session or your first wrestling session, you must have been like, what am, what am I doing here? Like, I, I'm from Dublin. Like, I'm not, well, you, you know, I, I don't be doing, you know, this. I'm not used yeah. to this professional setup. Like that, that first, so that first week I arrived on trial, I 
jeez, I hadn't got a breeze. I remember the boys were telling me, like, get because what, what, what we did back then is we wore like last season's jerseys for wrestle because, like, you want to be you, you don't want to be using a training top because it's kind of a bit more loose, it's not like a jersey, you can't get a good grip, like, so it's loose. The material will rip in that and you'll be sweating all over you. So we will get the jerseys on with them wrestle. I'm thinking wrestle. What are you on about wrestle? Like, what do you mean we're doing wrestle? Like, it's not rugby. Do you know what I mean? I hadn't got a clue. And we're doing this wrestle session. And they're saying like, let's say, pummeling and stuff like that, like all jujitsu moves and stuff like that. Telling us to do this, fight for underhooks and stuff like that because you're trying to get you're trying to get double unders. Like that's all. That's jujitsu. That's not rugby. That's but it's all about getting that core strength, that those shoulders and your triceps and everything working like you're wrestling in a tackle. So if you think about rugby league, you have a collision and one player's trying to find find the floor as quick as possible so he can get up, play the ball with his foot and get his team rolling forward. And the opposition is trying to stop him from playing it quick and trying to bring him to the ground as slow as possible so we can get a set defensive line 10 metres back. Because the last thing you want is a big a big bloke to come crashing into you, bump you off, find the floor, get up, roll it, and your whole team defensive line's loose. Because that's how they just roll down the pitch and you're next thing you know, you're on your try line in five tackles. Like So that, that's the whole point of it. But I get thrown into these wrestle sessions I'm thinking, what on earth am I doing here? Like, I haven't got a breeze. Like, I'd, I'd, be, I'd be getting myself home, walking up the hill to the gaff and I was like, Jesus, like, what? I could barely walk. I'm thinking, what is going on? Like, your body's just not used to it. And it took me a good while to, to get used to it. Like, because that's a start. Like, I, I was thinking, my God, like, this, this is tough. But even at that, in saying that, on on our days off, I'd still go to the gym, like by myself. I'd be doing running on the treadmill to try and get myself fit. I was like, I'm not fit enough to be here, like you know. So I'm doing running on the treadmill, a bit extra weights just to try and get myself. Because I was on trial, I was like, I have to, I can't leave a stone unturned. And looking back on it now, I'm thinking, what was I doing? Like I probably could have just done with a bit of rest. I probably would have done better for me. But in my head, I was that obsessed. I was like, I need to make sure that I'm ready. I need to catch up with these lads who've been doing this since let's say they get picked up for scholarship at under 14s or 15s or 16s and then go through an academy that two, they're two years into their academy and I'm going into the third year with a bunch of blokes who've done this for the past four years. Do you know what I mean? So I'm thinking, well, I need to play catch-up. I was just trying my best to, to pick up as much as I could. And like, to be fair, there were some, some class blokes there while I was in my trial period who were just like, took me under their wing and really looked after me. And like, I'm, I'm in first team with some of them now and they're just some of my best mates now because because of that, like they took me in when I was just that kid from overseas. Like then no one's comes from Ireland, you know what I mean? So they're like, who's this mad paddy with, with a mad accent? You know what I mean? Like, they don't even understand what I'm saying half the time. Forget about the fact that I'm absolutely clueless about this sport. Yeah. Um just to, just kind of create that picture there, you know, when you were doing your leaving cert, I suppose, yeah, you were like the try you're over to try it in February and you you heard nothing then, and you were like coming up to your leaving start right. Focus on my leaving start. Next thing, two weeks off leaving start when perhaps all the work is done. Um, you you get this call or you get an email or whatever. Um, how's it feel? Want you over? Your world must have just went like upside down. You must have been like, how did you focus? My my main thing is how did you block that out and focus on your leaving start? Or did you? <laughs> Well, it was one of those ones, I think it kind of went went hand in hand. It kind of doubled my focus in a way because at the time of the leaving, like, the leaving is such an unsure time. You're literally going into a bunch of exams and you find out three months later whether you got into your course or not. Having Knowing that I have, let's say, a, an opposite path to the CAO gave me actually a burst of energy. Like, bro, I can work hard. So I was like, if I do this hour in the gym, 
and a bit of running or whatever, or just out on the pitch. I do my, I do whatever I have to do in, in my, in my studies. Like, and I did. I, to be fair, I did very well in my leaving cert. Like, I was very happy with what I got. Like, I did incredibly well for a bloke who opened minimal books after I found out I was going to Huddersfield. But it worked out in my favour because I was completely not stressed. I just knew what I wanted to do was after my exam, and I went in completely clear-minded, not stressed at all, and it worked completely in my favour. Like, I, I just go in between exams. I wasn't sat in bogging myself down all day thinking about exams I was just going to the gym and grinding something else and putting my energy into something else that was productive and that that's probably one of the, the biggest defeats for some people in the leaving service are sat in their room for a period of three months five months whatever just making themselves depressed pretty much just sitting in thinking about this one exam whereas I was completely focused and I might just flip the switch pretty much focus on something completely irrelevant to the leaving service focus on getting myself in the best shape possible before I went over to Huddersfield because I like obviously it was in the back of my mind in the months between February and June to keep myself in good shape and I was still like playing with Clint when I was going to the gym but then once I found out this Huddersfield thing was happening and like it was like studies gym studies gym and go to sleep and like I've never been on studying but I'm lucky that I pick up information quick so it was one of those ones that worked out really well in my favour I got got enough points more than enough points for my top course and I just didn't end up taking it it was just one of those ones that like I was happy I was absolutely delighted with my points and they just haven't proved right useful <laughs> now at the minute but it was it was a good thing to have and I'm glad it kept me focused as well because I'm glad I wasn't one of those that put all my eggs in one basket because I didn't have any opportunities throughout my, let's say, young young teens, because I wasn't with, let's say, an academy or anything then, I actually got a good leaving, sir. And because I found out so late, I don't, as you said, most of, the, most of the work had been done. I wasn't just dossing arm going on trial, da, 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 you know what I mean? Most of the work had been done. So, like, it was just fine to open a book for maybe half an hour or whatever and then just go to the gym and just make sure I wasn't stressed about anything going into my exams and I was focused on what I want to do next. And... That, that worked out very well in my favour. Like, it was a strange situation, you know. Most most people are planning their six-year holiday and they're leaving now and I'm booking flights over to England to try start up in a career. You find that hard? Um, you probably didn't because uh, a professional contract is, is what you wanted. But, you know, like, at that age, it can be very... Um, it can be difficult for people, you know, and you see, see all the lads going away on six-year holidays. Did you feel that you are missing out? Did you, did you find that difficult? It was. Uh, it's one of those ones. I think. I think the toughest one for me was the Debs. Not going to your Debs. Not even like I don't care about the night or anything. It's just the fact that you only get one Debs. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you, 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 you only graduate school once. You only get one Debs once. You don't like. I'm 20 now. I'm never gonna go to Debs. I've never been. I'm never gonna go to Debs. It's one of those ones. Like it'd be a bit weird if I started going to Debs now. Do you know what I mean? So like, like, like you know. So it's one of that was probably that was probably the toughest day. Like longitudes, your electric picnics, all these those tickets. I sold them before I left and sold me Debs tickets. But the Debs was the toughest one because you don't get that back. Like if I if I can go to electric picnic when I'm forty if I want to. Like if I'm one of those blokes, I can go from you know whatever. Like yeah. it's one of those ones. But but you don't get your Debs back. So that was the toughest one really. But the six year holidays and your longitudes and all your festivals and that. It, to me, it was just water. It was like I didn't even I didn't even blink an eye. It was just sell those tickets and get 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 rid. That's it. Like that's the way it is. Do you know what I mean? Like, to me, like it, 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 like I was leaving night and I didn't even have a beer. Like I was just happy to be getting this opportunity and so grateful. Like the whole summer, I didn't even have a beer. I just wanted it so bad, and I knew what I wanted. And when when you get that obsessed and you know exactly what you want, it's just like 
nothing can get in your way then, you know, you don't even, there's no, there's no feelings of regret on missing out, let's say, because you know you're doing where you need to be and doing exactly what you want to do. And there's very little times in anyone's life that they can feel like they're in a position where they're given an opportunity to get after their dream. And I just felt so lucky to, to after being through so much and getting so little chances, no one giving me maybe a, an arm out saying, here, why don't you try this? Or why don't, we'll give you a chance. Like we, we think you're decent, we'll give you a chance. For someone that you give me a chance, it was just like, I need to take this opportunity with both hands and just hold on to it and cling on. That's what I did. And I made it through the trial and then ended up with the contract, you know? So it's one of the old ones that like, it's 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 a story that it kind of brings a smile to my face telling because like it's something that means so much to me and it's something that's like no one else has done before because that, that that's nearly the harder thing rather than rather than the fact that yeah it was tough that I done it and I'm leaving home at seventeen and me leaving so and all that but you don't look back at that it's the fact that I'm, I'm going into completely uncharted territory no one had done this before when academy you know no one had gone this this route so it's and it's not like Huddersfield knew what they were doing either in that sense it's the fact that they're bringing an Irish bloke over. But they've never done that either. No Super League Academy has done that. So it's like we're, we're in uncharted waters. No one knows exactly how this is going to go. They, no one knows how to get the Irish bloke over and make them settle and th- this, that and the other, you know. And that that comes down to just pure willpower, I think, because, like, I, it's easy to break. It's easy to break in situations like that. Like, you know, it's one of those ones that you can, you can sink or swim. But it's one we're, we're going down a path that no one ever has before. So it's one that I either need to take my opportunity and take the curveballs that get thrown at me, which there were plenty, but, or I can be the bloke, yeah, he got trial in England with an academy, but that's that, like, do you know what I mean? And someone else in, whether it's in five, ten, two years time, it could be next year, gets a trial and they, they it would have been them in my place and they'll be the first Irish bloke. So I just have to take the opportunity that I got and just roll with it. That's brilliant. Like you're, you're effectively, you know, laying the plat the the plateau for you know for generations to come. Especially like I I know you're saying uh, Brian Carney was there before, but um you kind of went from, you came from the under you came from an academy to the senior side, so you know that's that's definitely uh definitely should bring a lot of pride and and um you know you should be you know and I from talking to you there you are extremely grateful for the opportunities you've been given, um and hopefully that will uh. That will definitely definitely continue. And just out of curiosity, um, I, I'm very bad dealing with uncertainty. Like, so how, how did you deal with those three months? Not, you know, you you weren't sure that you'd be given a a contract. Do you know what I mean? Well, it's, it's one of those you pray for the the best, expect the worst. You know what I mean? Like, if 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 you can get yourself mentally prepared for for what worst can happen, but also work towards the best possible outcome and ask ask for the best possible outcome and believe in the best possible outcome you can't lose. Do you know what I mean? If you if you get yourself in a situation where you can't lose. So that summer, I was just thinking, right, have a CAO offer, have a course that I want. Worst case scenario, I've given my all and I've failed. If I if, if I go over to Huddersfield, I try my best for three months and I'm just not good enough on the day. That I, I can I can go to sleep at night. Do you know what I mean? And that was what one of the main things was for me. Know that I left it all in Huddersfield. And if I come back and I go to I go to college in Ireland, I go to college in Ireland, and that's that. You know, if I if I'm off to UCD in September 2018, I've given my all to what I believed in and what I wanted to do, and that is that. Do you know what I mean? And that's one thing that I really hold myself accountable for, making sure that I haven't left a stone unturned, and making sure I've done the right things. That's all I did that summer. Just did did, did my best, really, made sure I should pro- prove to them that I was. 
yeah, I'm 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 an all right rugby player, whatever. That was irrelevant. It's about I'm a bloke that youth can teach how to play this sport, and I'm a bloke that is worth keeping around, regardless of my ability, because I'm worth having to take a gamble on. Because it was a gamble. It was a gamble for them bringing me over in the first place. Like they're they're they're, they're making a gamble in the fact that you know he's just a bloke from Ireland who probably doesn't know much, but it's the fact that. If I didn't go in with that open mind and that willingness to learn, I'd just be, I would have been sent home in three months and I have no doubt about that. If I was not willing to learn and like, it is props, it is huge props to Luke Robinson and, and Andy Kelly for what the opportunity they gave me as well because they worked with me like loads to get me to where, get to get me to a position where I was actually worth bringing on for a third year of academy. So it's one of those ones that yeah, yeah you have to just, you have to prepare for the worst. And I, like, it was one of those that, like, if, if things didn't work out when I gave my all, then I can go to sleep at night. If I, if I felt like I went over there and I didn't try hard enough and I wasted an opportunity, like, that would, that would just dwell on my brain for forever. Like, I'd be tossing and down. I, I wouldn't have even enjoyed if I ended up going back to college and leaving a stone undone. But if you fail, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing to be afraid of failing if, it's the, if you've given your all into something. If you put your all into something and you, you fail, it's not really a failure. It's just a learning curve, isn't it? But it's only really a failure if you know yourself you could have done more. Um, I think 2019, you, you got a full run of games. You, you touched on earlier on, um, bar one due to concussion. But the end of that year, you were told that you're, you're heading to, to Australia. Do you want to give us uh, an insight into that? Yeah, yeah. So I got, I, got, I got a full run of games at the academy in the third year and it was pretty good. Like it was tough though, because again, I've I've never played a full season that big. Like I think we had eleven team, twelve teams in the comp, less us, so that's eleven. Two home and away, twenty two games. I played twenty one of them. I've never played twenty one games in a rugby season in my life. Like absolutely <laughs> not. So come come the last three games, I swear to God, I was taped up like a mummy. Like I was falling to pieces, but got got through them anyways. And like I got told them signing me first, uh, my first team contract, and that was just madness to me like so I signed the first team contract and come back home for the off season I uh, we had the World Cup qualifiers with Ireland again so we had Spain away and Italy at home and we we topped the group qualified for the 2021 World Cup coming up next year um, so that was again unbelievable to get another two caps for Ireland and be a part of that qualification campaign with the same blokes that I, I made my debut with the year before was, was class like so um, one of my one of my mates who came to Huddersfield with me at the very start in the mocks time when I when I went over with the other lads and he also came from Balbriggan so he took a transfer as well he took the year out for the transfer things kind of came for, full circle in 2019 because he didn't end up on the Huddersfield route with me he stayed there he ended up playing with Longhorns with Ireland under 19s with the Ireland's club side and he eventually got called up to get a senior cap too so he, I got to play alongside him and he was making his debut against Italy, and I got to play alongside him, one of my best mates since I was like played amateur union with him my whole life, Gaelic football from the same town as me. And for things to full, full, come full circle, really, that was a moment for me, getting to see my best mate make his debut right beside me, singing the anthem together. But he took a completely different path, you know. But we're from the same town. For things to come full circle, kind of shows the development over between 2017 and 2019, over the pathway from from Ireland, and obviously. I'm forging a new pathway at the time as well as this, but it just shows that in those two years, you went from like there not being really any structure that linked between the Ireland under 17s I played with in 2017 and the senior team to in two years' time. A bloke who was given like similar opportunities came to Huddersfield with me in the first time in February, might end up being, 
mightn't have been fit or, fit or good enough then, but came full circle to their senior cap. It just showed the development. So that was a real big moment for me, getting to share that with my best mate. Like he's from the same town and that. So then uh, played those two games and we got to qualify for the World Cup. And that obviously was a huge moment for for Ruby League Ireland, qualifying for the 2021 World Cup. And uh, then I went to, went back to Huddersfield, went into our pre-season, which was, again, career as pre-season gets really, just the usual... But made made it through, maybe made it through, and then and about a week before I was due to fly back to Ireland for Christmas, there uh, I got told about the opportunity to go to Canberra. So this is the back end of twenty nineteen. I'm meant to be going to Ireland for Christmas for a week. So I'm thinking, right, I have a flat here in Huddersfield now. I, I'm meant to be, I'm meant to be renting this flat for a year. I've I have a car here now, and I'm meant to be leaving on the sixth of January to go to Australia. That's two and a half weeks away, maybe three weeks away. But I'm going to Ireland for about nine days. So I'm thinking, how am I going to manage this? But anyways, manage the opportunity I really couldn't say no to. Like, I, nothing again. No one's ever had this opportunity. They've never done a link-up for an under-20 setup between a Super League and an NRL club. So for them to send me as the pioneer to go and try this out and see how it goes, I was just blown away. I was like, I, I couldn't understand again why they chose me. Like, it was, I was like, how am I so lucky to get this opportunity? Like, I fell into the age bracket of under-20s. Like, a year, if I was a year older, it wouldn't be me. Do you know what I mean? If I was a year younger, it probably wouldn't have been me too. So it was one of those ones I, I couldn't believe. And then, so I packed up my things, sold the car, got ready to move to Australia for what I thought I'd be doing for from January to October. So 10 months of virtually the whole year and then go back down for the off-season and come back to Huddersfield for the 2021 season. So that was the plan anyway, so... Set, pack my bags and leave and head off to Australia and obviously get there and there's bushfires and I couldn't believe this and then there's hail, I couldn't believe this either and it's 45 degrees and I'm thinking what's going on here in the world and about three, three, three and a bit months in, less than four months in, coronavirus hits and gets sent back home to Ireland so that was a, a trip cut short but probably one of the like the highlights of my year this year, getting to spend a bit of time in Australia was phenomenal, really, and an opportunity I'm very grateful for because I got to learn so much in that short period of time and a really, really good opportunity to be a part of an NRL setup. Like it's the best league, rugby league played in the world in the NRL, and also get to see a whole different country. You know, that's always a pretty good opportunity and a bit of sun as well. So it's one of those ones we don't get much sun in Ireland, so we have to get a decent bit for a couple of months with class. And what's the like when you landed over there for January? Is that preseason over there, or is it middle of the season? What what's the makeup? Yeah, so um, kind kind of ironic in a way. So uh, twenty nineteen when we started preseason in Huddersfield, we started out two days after the grand final. So the grand Super League grand final from the season before was played between Salford and Saint Helens. And on the Saturday, and we started our preseason on the Monday. I did the whole preseason with Huddersfield, then I uh, flew out to Australia, and their season starts about a month, month, maybe a month and a half later. So I went when when they were all the Huddersfield lads were coming out of a preseason block, getting ready to start playing preseason friendlies in January, and get ready for the season to start in February. I go into another preseason block in Australia, so I ended up. I didn't end up. I actually didn't end up playing an official game. I ended up doing just pre-season for six months, pretty much. So I did pre-season all for the whole time I was in Australia. We were doing pre-season. We did. I played four pre-season friendlies, and then round one of the competition. 
So the jersey flag is called, which is the under-20 competition. Round one, we had a bye. So we don't play that week weekend. So everyone else plays and we didn't. And then come round two, so this is when I get out of preseason. I'm named in the squad to play play against, uh, I think we had the Bulldogs under-20s. Round two, ready to play. They call a meeting and the season's been canned because of coronavirus. Uh. So I didn't get to play it. I didn't get to play an official jersey flag under twenties game. I played I played all of the preseason friendlies, but the season got canned. So I actually didn't actually make it out of preseason at the start start of twenty twenty. Realistically, I didn't get to play an official official in season game. And in season, no, ask any rugby player. In season is the best time of the season. You know, you have because you're playing matches every weekend. The training intensity pulls back a little bit. You're not in pre-season anymore. Pre-season, you've done the work in pre-season. Like, you're not going to get much fitter in season. You're just maintaining muscle, maintaining fitness, and actually enjoying playing footy, you know? You're enjoying it rather than getting absolutely bashed around flogged. For the, that's why you do it. You do the pre-season to earn the reward of actually getting to enjoy playing with your brothers, playing with your mates in season. But then, obviously, coronavirus hit, and looking back at it, I wish I didn't leave, but it was just the way the world was going, you know? Like, Jesus, but like no one knew what was what the story with this virus was. Like I was getting, I got home and I was bleeding, sanitizing the mail coming through the post. And when I got home, from, we did, we thought this was, it. I don't know what I thought. I thought this was the world ending or whatever. Like I didn't have a clue. Like I, I remember being, I rocked up to Sydney Airport leaving Australia, and I did genuinely did not believe I was going to make it out of Australia. So I went to get home. I went from Canberra to Sydney. That's a two and a half hour drive. Then I. I needed to get home, and um, I'll usually you fly out of Australia through Doha, Dubai, Singapore, somewhere in the Middle East or Asia. But obviously, because of the coronavirus, they are all shut. No chance. America, shut. Coronavirus, heaven there. So everywhere shut. So we we opted the best plan was for me to fly back through Canada. Worst case, I get stuck in Canada. At least I have a bit of family there. So um, I look up at the board in Sydney airport, and it's just cancel, 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 and my flight. Sydney to Vancouver. I'm thinking, oh my God, how is this not cancelled? Cancel, cancel, cancel. I'm thinking, oh, good luck. Good luck. There's no way I'm getting out. So I make it to Vancouver. I couldn't believe it. Like, if this is about, like, this is not the necessary, like, who flies from Australia to Dublin via Canada? Like, it's not, you know, it's not your necessary route. And there's no direct flights from Vancouver to Dublin either. So I had a, a 24 hour layover in Vancouver. And then I look up at the board in Vancouver and it's, it's the same. Like, it's, this is the peak of coronavirus. Like, this is when, Everyone's melting down. Everything's going into lockdown, and no one actually knows what this virus is. But the board again, and it's cancelled. Cancelled. I make it to Toronto, and then Toronto, Dublin. So about two days after I left Australia, I make it back to Dublin. And like honestly, I I just couldn't. I wasn't sure how I made it to be honest. But like looking back at it, I wish I got to stay in Australia. But it was one of those ones because I was on a sports visa that you I couldn't get paid with the competition being cancelled. Do you know what I mean? My my contract was basically out because our competition was cancelled and the under-20s didn't resume that season. So, like, if I stayed, my contract would have been null and void. Like, the clause would have said if the competition's cancelled, my contract's gone, pretty much. So I ended up back in Ireland and although I didn't want to want to be, it wasn't ideal. I just ended up back in Ireland for a couple of months for, which was, I suppose, a good summer and ended up winning an All-Ireland with the Longhorns over the summer. So that was, uh, I suppose, that was one positive. Got to play a bit of hurling, got to play a bit of Gaelic football, but it was just a, it was just a mad turn of events after the start of the year, like getting sent to Australia, getting given probably one of the best opportunities of my life, like to, to go over for a year, develop, and then come back to Huddersfield and try and make my name as a Super League player after being with an NRL setup for a whole year. To then 
get obviously I felt like it was the end of the world leaving Australia. I didn't like I didn't see what was gonna happen next. But in the end, looking back at it, actually all worked out in a weird, twisted way. Yeah, that's that's uh that's interesting. Like it's it's actually I suppose but before we, we go any further, just out of curiosity, you must have got a massive shock doing the preseason over there with you know, with the heat. It must have been extremely, extremely hot. Oh yeah, geez. My first session on the field, because because as I was saying, because of the bushfires, we actually were inside for like my first two sessions in the in the gym on a treadmill and just doing weights because the bushfires there was too much smoke in the air to actually train outside. So my first my first training session outside was in the evening and it was about forty degrees heat and I could not believe it. I never felt that kind of way. Like the ground was the ground was perfect for running, but I couldn't even breathe in it. It was just, it was just like, what, I was like, what am I doing here? I was thinking, my mouth is so dry. I was thinking, I, like, I couldn't even sweat. It was that hot. Like, my body was just in complete shock. It was just like, what is, like, why, why are you running in this heat, pretty much? And yeah, so uh, that was a bit, that was a bit of a shock to the system. But then, like, <laughs> come, 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 coming back to Ireland, it was about eighteen degrees, and I was absolutely shivering. So it's one of the old ones. You adapt fairly quickly, you know. So yeah, I got used to, I got used to the heat. But initially, I was like. Jesus, I couldn't believe I couldn't believe that people actually train in this hot, but like you get used to the condition and you actually kind of come accustomed to them because like the ball's dry, which is weird in January for the ball to be dry. You're used to playing on the ball, do you know what I mean? And the ball's dry. So that's that's a shell shock and it's quick. So your body's not used to actually running that quick because the ground's usually a bit more more wet, you know, and there's less there's less give in the ground, you know. So you're not actually used to running that quick because of the dry ground, but the pace is a lot quicker when you get over there. But like, and the sessions are tough. A lot of running to be back in preseason, but like, just looking back at it, it was all worth it. You know, what I mean, it was just like the the heat and all. Like, I go I go through the misery of that heat again, like any day. You know. And is it the Rugby World Cup? Is that on every two, three years, or four years, or what's the, how often? Four years, yeah, every four years. My first year. When I played in 2017, that was the last World Cup. So all I've heard since I've like since I've played for Ireland is the stories of that World Cup, and that was actually in Australia. This one's based in England, unfortunately, and we're based in Leeds, which is only around the corner from Huddersfield. So, but it's one of those ones. The stories I've heard about the World Cup, they said it's the best couple of weeks of their lives. Like, and they like they're all like that after the World Cup. They're all mates. Like, they're all they're all like as tight as anything after those those experiences because you go on camp with for four, five, six weeks with. A load of blokes, you know what I mean? You get to know people different after stuff like that. Looking back in, in you know, on 2020, um, what would be the main takeaways from from the year? Uh, I'd have to say just take it as it comes, you know what I mean? Like it's got thrown a few curve curved balls this year, but you don't wonder you don't see blessings necessarily initially. Like when I was leaving Australia, like I, I'm not gonna lie, like it was pretty miserable leaving Australia. Like it, I had the lifestyle over there. I was, I was loving it. I was living it up. And like at the start, you think, oh, what am I getting myself into? I'm back. Like I'm working. I started working back in Ireland. I was playing with my amateur club, but you don't realize like the blessings are actually sometimes in disguise. Like as cliche as that is, like I, if someone said to me when I signed my first ever first team contract in 2019. At the end of 2019, if they said to me, right, in 2020, you're going to go to Australia with an NRL under-20 team, win an All-Ireland with the Longhorns, spend a load of time with your family and friends back in Ireland, get to see see what is our beautiful island. Like, I tick loads of boxes while I was on, see the Cliffs of Moher and everything. Like, 
and make your Super League debut all in the one year. Like, no one, no one gets the... Like, I'd take that any day of the week if I look back at 2019. But then, like, obviously, in the moment, you don't, you don't always appreciate that kind of that kind of thing, but I'm very grateful for the way it worked out. Like, yeah, uh, especially like like uh, with the Super League debut and that. Like, it's just something that was just so monumental for rugby league Ireland as a whole, and just for all my family and friends. Like, and it was just something that meant so much to me. And obviously, they they've been a part of my journey as much as anyone. They've seen the emotion and how good I was leaving Ireland or leaving Australia and coming back here. Although I was glad to see them, I was just absolutely gutted like it was something that I just couldn't believe it happened like I was meant to be in there till October so but then again I didn't see the I didn't see the, me making my Super League debut when I was in Australia and I thought it was going to be there till October plainly simply because I was over there like and the Super League was meant to be finished before I came back so it was one of those that all's, that, all's well that ends well so it's just been a bit of a mad year yeah I suppose it's just you have to put everything into perspective and like you you know like you alluded to there that you know, if uh, if you weren't back here in Ireland, and you know, you probably wouldn't have made your your Super League debut. So it's it's weird how how things uh, work out. But for me, from chatting to there and from looking looking at other interviews, you seem to be extremely humble and grateful for any opportunity that you've been given. Um, would you have always been like that, or did did that only kind of come in the later years? Um, I don't know, really. I, I always think that I'd, I'd like to think that I was kind of like that, but maybe I wasn't. I think I was, as maybe a 15, 16 year old, like when I started dreaming about being a professional rugby player, oh, I was filled with a lot of anger when, when things didn't work out, out for me, when I didn't get the transfer, when I didn't make the Northeast. And that can go, that can go the wrong way a lot of the time. If you're angry and resentful, you can, you can, you can get turned into negativity. You know, and it can go towards the, why would I do this? What like, I I deserve an opportunity. Like, why why should I try now? I've I've lost. You know what I mean? And it can it can quite easily go that way. But I think that something just clicks for me, and, I, and that's just due to the people I've been around in my life. And I I've been around a lot of good people and gotten a lot of good advice, and surrounded by a lot of good friends and family pushing me pushing me towards my goals. And they basically just kept me grounded and made sure that. Any negative situation can be turned into a positive with the right outlook on it, you know, and the right mentality. And that's probably one of the most important things for me that not to look at things as like, yeah, maybe a setback, but where it's a positive in it. If I'm not learning from it, then then I am taking a loss. But if I can take something out of it and take something away from it, because like there's been plenty of times I've been filled with frustration, but it's just one of those ones that build builds you up as a person. Like even during the summer before I didn't get brought back straight away when the Super League returned. So the Super League returned, uh, I think it was August, let's say. I think around August, maybe it was the start of September. But I was still here. I think it was August. So the boys got back in training in August anyway. But I was still in Ireland working away. And because I was, wasn't scheduled to be back from Australia till October, I wasn't, I wasn't contracted to Huddersfield Giants because they don't do like across-the-world loans. So I could go on loan from Huddersfield to Leeds and they have a system for doing loans within England. They don't have a system for doing loans. So basically what I what my situation was, I go to Australia and then I come back to Huddersfield and the contracts were all signed for that. But there wasn't a situation for, right, the world's going to have a global pandemic and you're going to have to come back months early. They don't have me planned to be contracted. So they, they do everything accordingly. There's a salary cap. Everything's done accordingly to me not being contracted till the following season. So for me to 
want to get back, it was quite difficult just in terms of there was a lot to be sorted. So when everyone else came back in, I wasn't brought back in straight away. And like you see social media and stuff, you see Huddersfield Giants are running, like we had an injury crisis when the Super League fully first started. And you're seeing, oh, there's only 17 fit, oh, there's only 16 fit. And like I'm in there, I'm there working, cleaning windows, and my head's rolling clean off. I'm thinking, like, I want to be back in with the boys. I want to be helping out. I want to show that I'm putting my hand up. I'm an able body. Like I'm sat here working. I should be out training with the lads. But that again, like it just, it, it's all put into perspective, really. Like when, like it's one of those things that I could. I'm just grateful that I had something to do while I was back in Ireland because like I could have easily just been sat on my ass with no job. You know what I mean? So it's one of those ones that like obviously that frustration just drove me more. I was like, when I get my opportunity back in Huddersfield, I'm gonna show them that I'm ready for a Super League debut. And luckily enough, uh, Robbo, again it came full circle. Robbo was the academy coach when I went there on trial, and then Robbo got moved up to first team coach there at the back end of last season. And he got to be the one to give me my debut. So it was it was absolutely a um, like, remarkable experience. And just to get to see the support of my family and all, when that opportunity came was just like phenomenal. And I, I owe it all to them really because they've kept my head up when like when I have got too negative and I have let things get on top of me. They've been the ones that have made sure that I, like, I, I knew that I could do it all and put a lot of faith in me, you know? That's interesting. I, ne- I never knew... Um... That yeah, that must be extremely testing the fact that you're back here working cleaning windows or whatever the case may be. And you know, you should have been over in Huddersfield, but due to the um contract issues or whatever, not issues, but the contract stuff and the way coronavirus messed everything up. You know, it must have been testing, it must have been very, very difficult on your mind. Um, but would I be right in saying that you stepped up the training even more so than just the fear of Fear of failure, I suppose. Yeah, and that's that's a huge factor, I suppose. The fear of failure is it's a huge driver for me in a way that don't like I don't want to ever go back back over and not be ready. Do you know what I mean? I don't like leaving stones unturned. So like after I just, like when when everyone got back in training, obviously I'm I'm still in the group chats like because I'm still part of the team and I'm seeing what they're up to and seeing that they're all, all getting back in training. I'm see I'm literally with my mates in Ireland watching my teammates play matches on the telly and I'm like, I should be there with them. I should there be being a part of this. And it's just even more of a driver. So I just, just kept training. Like, just kept training and training, you know, to said when I get the opportunity to come back, because I knew it wasn't, it wasn't an if. I knew I was coming back the following season, no matter what. That contract had already been signed, but it was a process of logistically getting me back as early as possible, which thankfully, thanks to Andy and Kelly and that, they all worked that out. Like, and luckily enough for me, they got me back with enough time for me to get back into the swing of things and be ready to get my debut without things being rushed. And that 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 I feel very lucky again that they they were put under a huge amount of pressure throughout this whole pandemic. And as well as getting the curveball of a bloke who's sat in Ireland waiting to get himself back training, who's out not contracted for this season, like that's just that's a task and a half to get sorted, really. And obviously it's playing on my mind a whole lot. Like that's there's no denying that. Like I'm thinking, like I want to be there. I want to be there. I don't want to be doing, doing this. Like I, I didn't want to be doing what I was doing. But at the same time, I'm, I'm grateful that I had something to do, and I knew it wasn't what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. But I'm grateful that I had a job because jobs were hard to come by during that pandemic. And I was grateful that I got the, the opportunity sorted, and in the end, it led to my debut. And obviously, that was that was the goal from way back when, as soon as I signed my first team contract. So like, 
all worked out in the end. And it just built me up as a better person. Like I came away from this whole year way better person than I was at the start of the year. And I can say that hand on heart, like the amount that this year has taught me and the amount of curveballs that it's been thrown, it's just made me into a lot better person and a lot mentally tougher. And that's what you need as a professional athlete. You need mental toughness. This is probably going to be a, a um, difficult enough question, especially when you're, you know, early in your career. But what do you think you'll do when, when sport will stop for you? That, yeah, that is a tough one. <laughs> to be fair, like I'm, as I said with the, as I said with the the leaving situation, like when I was on trial, I just try to set myself up as best as I can for if worst case scenario, like you, you like you know ne- you never know what can happen, and like you, this year has shown us all that you never know what can happen, and like that there's been blokes from the Super League, Mossy Masoy ended up like almost paralyzed and he's back walking now but like his cold career got flipped on his head after a mere accident of training do you know what I mean so stuff like that can happen to anyone at any time so at the moment I'm studying to do uh, personal training and the club is putting me through that course so I can get my personal training qualification alongside being full-time at rugby obviously like university is a full-time commitment at the minute and at the moment I just want to focus on making myself part of uh, the first team squad more consistently but I think that as long as I'm working towards setting myself up for the future, I'm doing it. I'm doing the right things, you know, because you never know when your career might end. There's blokes who are still playing at 35 and there's blokes whose career has ended at 24. You never know, but you have to keep yourself set up and always, like, be ready, prepare for the worst, you know what I mean? So that's what I'm doing at the minute by doing this personal training course. So, like, even if, if the, at the end of this year, after it all, if they say, listen, like, you're, you're not up to scratch for full time, that's, that's the way it is, and I know I've given my all right. I have I have something that I kind of have an interest in. I like doing, I like going to the gym, I like doing personal training, and even if I end up playing like part time in the championship or something like that, I have a job that I don't completely despise, which is always a positive. Do you know what I mean? It's something that I have some sort of interest in and I have a knowledge in. So that's always it's always good to keep get yourself set up for the future, and that's what they they advocate that loads at the clubs and at all the clubs. Like they make sure that you're always keeping aware that like it's a short career, like if. Like if you're if you're good, you might have a ten or twelve year career. Like let's say, you know, and if you're great, you might have a fifteen year career or an eighteen year career. The best of the best, like James Graham and Sean O'Loughlin, like they've had long careers. But like you never know. You obviously want to be them. You want to be the best, but you don't know. You don't know when something wrong may may happen or when something might happen. And as as this year's shown with this pandemic, you don't know what in the world could happen to anyone. So you have to prepare for the worst. You know what I mean? And that that that's as they say, fail to prepare, prepare to fail. So you always have to be thinking like that. You know, you have to, you, you wouldn't leave yourself unprepared for training. So why would you leave yourself unprepared for after your career? Like, yeah, hopefully I'll, hopefully I'll live a bit after my career. If I retire, if I retire in my 30s at some stage, hopefully I'll, I'll live, live about for a bit anyway. So hopefully I have at least 40 years left in me after that. And then, I'll, then hopefully, you know what I mean? But it's one of those ones. And it's just, you have to keep your, keep your head down and keep focused. Like, especially as a young player, because you're, you're, you're a nobody still, you know? So it's not like you're a big name and you're signing for loads of money or anything. You have to actually think about, oh, what am I going to do after all of this? Very good. No, that's uh, definitely, definitely you, you hit a few, you know, interesting points there and it's both kind of putting things into perspective and just being prepared down the line. Um, last question there and sort of uh, like to get your, your take on it. What would you, you know, in your opinion, what do you think that could be done to, to increase, you know, awareness around rugby league on the island of Ireland? 
Well, I, I think a lot of good things that I've touched on already are being done. I think the next couple steps, I think we need to make a link with an academy. Obviously, Huddersfield took me over, but we need a direct link where there's what well, it doesn't have to be Huddersfield. It can be any Super League academy. I'm looking at 10 or 12 players every single year at under 16s level, at junior sort of age. Because what, what, the way the academy set up works in, uh, in Huddersfield and in England is they do a, a BTEC in sports or they do their A-levels alongside academy. So they can do they can do a BTEC in sport through the club or they can do their A-levels alongside academy. So we need to be looking at getting lads at junior sort of age after the equivalent, like junior sort of equivalent GCSEs and getting them over there then at under 16's age, like 16-year-olds, and getting them to do three years of academy and go through, get their qualifications at A-levels or, or do their BTEC in sport and then try earn a third-year academy contract I think that's one of the biggest steps that we need to take is getting our young lads exposed to Super League academies because it's so hard to be on the back foot. And even the blokes who've made it over to England who have been older than me, none of them have made it to Super League. We've had, we've had a good few lads who have made it to Championship level and played in World Cups who have been Championship Irish domestic players who played in the, champ- the Championship, but they haven't been quite there for Super League. And that's I think that's plain and simply just because They've just been got too late. It's not saying that if, if they weren't brought in at 18, they probably could have been 40 times better players, but they, they weren't. You know what I mean? It's one of those. And then I think the other step is definitely a professional team. Well, in the in the next 10 years, I'd love to see a professional team enter League One to start and then work, try work their way up to the Championship and then up to Super League, ideally, based in Ireland, ideally Dublin, but like anywhere on the island, really. I just think that the, the planes are running like buses. Like there's, there's, there's three or four planes a day to Manchester, Leeds, Liverpool, all the big cities around Super League, really. Like you, there's, not many, there's not many teams in the Super League that you can't get there from Manchester, Leeds or Liverpool and Sheffield as well. Sheffield have an airport. And there's, about, there's hundreds of flights running a day and then you have the ferry as well, as well as that. And it's, it, it only takes 40 minutes. So I don't see why we haven't got a professional team already. But ideally, we'd like to do what Toronto Wolfpack did and enter in League One, a team from Ireland, work away to Championship, and then work away to Super League, and then that will promote so much young talent because they'll see, yeah, listen, there's a team based here. They have a team based in France, they have a team based in Canada, or war, that war based in Canada, and they have French teams. So they have Welsh team. Oh no, they don't have Welsh team. Sorry, they do have one Welsh team, but they have these teams outside of England. And personally, the appeal for me to go to Dublin. And I know speaking to English fans, the appeal to go to Dublin is far more to go to West Wales at the end of the day. They, they love a weekend. They love going to Newcastle for Magic Weekend. They love the weekends away. And it's not, it's not expensive to get on a flight to Dublin, even if you can just do it for the day trip for a Magic Weekend or whatever. But I think that's definitely one of the next steps in developing the game in Ireland. We need a professional team to come through and we need to set a link with an academy. But the things that are going on in the background now, like the work in the last, since I've been involved with Rugby League in Ireland, the work that's gone on and the amount of players have been pushed through a decent pathway and given good opportunities to get looked at by the senior coaches. It's phenomenal. And like when I started, there wasn't those pathways. Now we have a setup that Ireland under 16s, Ireland under 19s, Ireland students, and Ireland domestic club team. Like the domestic club team played Norway's international team. They've gone over to play like teams in England and stuff like that. And then we have the Challenge Cup as well, which runs. It's kind of like um it's like, you know, when you start with the amateur teams in the rounds and it works to the Super League. So we have we have that and the Longhorns have entered that the last three years. Hopefully enter it again this year. But 
that's another exposure that wasn't there previously for these lads to get to play in the first round of the Challenge Cup against the amateur teams in England, just to see like to see the standard that is at, you know what I mean? So all these things are so important in the pathway of developing the game in Ireland. And I personally feel that like watching the development as I've been a part of it has just been class in this country. Look, Ronan, I'll, uh, I'll wrap it up there. Thanks very much for taking time out and coming on the Inside View podcast and best luck in uh, 2021. Cheers. Thanks for having us. I hope you all enjoyed the interview with Ronan. Uh, very, very interesting story. Very down-to-earth guy. Um, very very honest as well, what he you know what he spoke about, honest and open. Um, I hope you all might take something from that. Um, I suppose what it would be would be take opportunities when when they come knocking on your door, um, just as Ronan did, and he gave it a hundred percent and left no stone unturned, and uh, he's reaping the rewards of it now. And best looking and going forward, and looking forward to, to tuning into the Super League now over the next couple of months, whenever whenever things kick off again, and uh, following his his progress. Um, so look, that's all from us on this week's podcast, the very first podcast of. 2021 um please do get in contact with the show if you want to be part of it if you want to contribute in some way possible we'd love to hear any stories you may have and look be sure to follow us on social media we'd really appreciate it on we're on facebook you'll find us on the ball team building on instagram it's at underscore on the ball team building over on twitter it's at we are on the ball two that is the digit two and you'll find us on LinkedIn. It's on the ball team building. We have a group there and we have a page also on TikTok. It's on the ball team building. Have a lovely week and be sure to stay safe. And remember, cred and it's fin. Talk to you all soon and thank you all again for listening.